Welcome to the Town Learning Show podcast series, episode 64 with independent learning tech analyst John Lay. Today I interview Left Terrace Dua Nuglu, CEO and president of Skooks, about their current state of learning and learning technology and the unique vertical of franchise education. You can find more of our fiercely independent content at TownToLearning.com. Well, welcome back, listeners, and thank you very much for tuning in to another episode. On this show, I am fortunate to interview the world's leading experts in extended enterprise uh, learning technology uh, from both the vendor and the pr- practitioner uh, perspectives. And today is no different as we have the CEO and president of Skooks here to give us a much needed update on the challenges, solutions, expectations uh, within the unique vertical of franchise education. Now, those of you that follow Talented Learning religiously know that we talk a lot about uh, channel and partner education as a component of extended enterprise and franchise education kind of falls under that uh, umbrella for sure, but it has unique use cases, unique challenges and requirements compared to the other sectors, different type of uh, learners, different uh, connectivity problems and lack of time like all problems. And so those are all things that are unique to franchise education and Left Terrace and Skooks has been historically solving those problems and continuing to innovate uh, in this particular vertical, among many, but in this particular vertical. And so we wanted to have uh, Left Terrace come on and give us all an update and teach us what we need to know about the 2023 state of franchise education uh, and learning technology in in general. So uh, Left Terrace, thanks for so much for coming on the show. It's great to have you here. Welcome. Thank you, John, and it's always a pleasure, and thank you for the invitation. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. I think we're going to get more out of it. Uh, We're going to get a lot out of this because, uh, you know, I was looking back in my notes, and the last time I was really focusing on uh, the franchise vertical was almost back in 2017 or 18. So uh, for for all of us, we need a a uh, much-needed update. But... Uh, Skooks may not be a household name uh, to a lot of, of listeners here. So why don't we start at the top and tell us about your organization, who you are, a little bit about you, you know, what role you play in the marketplace, you know, who are your ideal clients uh, type of thing, mm-hmm. and, and just clue us in at, at, the, uh, at, at the top here. Sure. Um, so Skooks um, is a learning and talent development platform. We're a single product company. Um, we started about 10 years ago, and um, we really started from the restaurant industry, and through that restaurant industry, we expanded to other similar industries. Um, even though our product is a very solid and is covering L&D in a holistic way, and it can serve many and most industries, I would say, and, and organizations you know, of different types and, and different sizes, but where we're really strong are uh, with what we call multi-unit or franchise organizations um, that have very unique characteristics. And then of course also um, any organizations that have frontline workers that are very often operating in a very similar way um, as well and have similar unique uh, pain points to address. Um, And so the the differentiator of our product um, definitely but one differentiator is that over the course of all of those years we became experts and became also domain experts so we know very well what those pain points are and we're able to um, through our customers to to learn how to address um, those pain points and build a product that's really almost tailored for those type of organizations so if we go a little bit in more details um I mean, one of the problems, I mean, they have many different um, unique pain points, but one of the problems those 
organizations really have is that those are fairly complicated uh, organizations in terms of how they are structured and organized. Um, they are very different than a more typical enterprise organization, I would say. Um, so there's a corporate part of the world um, that's, that's, that's operating in a very similar way than a typical um, enterprise organization. Uh, but then they have a whole ecosystem where they may have corporate-owned stores and they may have franchise-owned uh, stores. And in the franchise part of the organization, it may be complex as well because there might be different ownerships. So franchisees may own multiple stores and they may own stores alongside and together with other franchisees. And sometimes they may be part of entities who own stores. And then we may have also um, employees who work um, at different stores and those those stores may um, um, be owned by different franchisees. And, and then this is a fairly complex ecosystem. It's not just a simple organization. And of course, the problem is that the LMS is one of the very, very few enterprise applications, I feel, where the org structure of an organization has really be reflected in the system. Because this is not the case in any other system. In any other system, it's just um, kind of the one-to-one um, -one report, meaning John reports to Bob, Bob to, to um, Jake, and, and so on. Um, as it is in case for in, in all other enterprise applications, but in our world, we really have to kind of build the whole structure. And the reason is because those organizations very often operate also in a very decentralized way, which means the franchisees are really the boss of their own um, um, part of the organization. Those are sub-organizations actually. So we have a lot of admins in a way in the system, not just one. And depending on how that organization wants to operate, um, very often the franchisees or the operators may be given a lot of freedom to do also their own um, training activities tailored to their needs, depending on where they are located and, and so on. Um, and so there's a, sometimes just overlapping. Um, and, in, and this is something that we were able to address very um, in a very efficient way. Uh, and we are the only element that can really deal with those complex org structures. And we've seen many, many systems where, you know, even in the in a very simple um, uh, pain point where they have where an employee um, may work at two different or three different stores. That's really the case very often. That may belong to different franchisees. They may need multiple accounts. And so there's no no one profile of that user with all of the training coming from different um, kind of sources. Um, so that's, I would say, one of our strong differentiators. And of course, the other one is that it has a very different population, John. So usually younger um, people and those people used to live on their, um, they're, they're living on the devices, on the mobile devices. The training has to be definitely, um, definitely um, mobile um, and be delivered very quickly. Okay. And so organizations uh, are uh, a complexity or a challenge uh, for franchise organizations, as well as the, the younger demographics uh, of the learners. Anything else uh, from, uh, from their perspective or from your perspective that's a, a key challenge faced by these organizations that uh, maybe is not normal in, in other verticals or... Uh, yeah, yeah, they have several, um, you know, uniqueness. First of all, they have a, a very high turnover. 
I mean, a turnover that is anywhere between 100 and 200 percent is, is very common. And of course, as you can imagine, that is imposing a very different um, need for um, you know operation. Uh, people come and go all the time. So on, on average, an employee may stay four to six months. It's a very short period of time. And so it's it's hard to find people. And then once you find those people, you have to really very quickly get them up to speed. Um, so don't really have, there's no luxury to have a long learning curve. Um, so they have to be kind of productive almost the, the next day. Um, and there's also a lot of on the job training uh, for those people as well. And then as you know, in, in in many situations, those stores have you know high traffic, and so people don't really have those employees don't really have a lot of time taking and spending you know on the training. It's not like a white collar job where you may spend half an hour at some point at your desk and taking your training. That's not the case, and so training has been has to be delivered you know differently, um, and so this is one of the challenges um, they they definitely have. I would say it's the most important one. And the other one is that. Um, some of those industries, like the restaurant industry, they really operate on a very tight margin. So every dollar really counts. And so any solution or anything, for example, the, and the training is, is usually the obligation of the franchisor. Um, and so, of course, they, they try really to get the most out of every dollar um for the franchisees um which is important as well so everything they use it has to be effective um it has to really help productivity um it make their their, their life much easier do franchisees have the same challenges and requirements as franchisors do they are they on the same page all the time or is there is there i don't know friction between what franchisees want and and what they get what, what has been your experience on that? I think there's always a healthy amount of friction, uh, uh, you know, between what they get and what they would like. But overall, I think usually it's it, they're, they're pretty aligned. Um, and then it depends, again, on the specific brand. Um, there are brands that are really very, very, very large, and it, it makes things much more difficult. And, and then the brands that are not as large, and and so it depends also on the type of organization and the brand itself. But usually they're they are aligned. Now, often they may have additional needs for additional training, depending on how they'd like to get things done and train their people. And so we have customers that operate in a more decentralized way than some others. We have large organizations where all the training is delivered only out of the corporate part of the organization. It's for consistency purposes, it's all the same. Um, and then we have um, equally large organizations or small organizations where the training is delivered by the corporate part of the organization is part of the training. And then every franchisee has the freedom to put online their own training um, where the corporate part of um, organization may not be even aware of what they train their people. Um, of course, from a product perspective, that's that's that comes with a much higher level of complexity as you can imagine um because not of the sudden um the corporate part you know uh, shouldn't see you know all the reporting data because part of it is just you know um delivered by the by, by the franchisee or if an hourly worker is working at two different stores that are owned by two different franchisees and they deliver different training every one of those in the corporate training 
every one of those stakeholders in the reporting should see a different part of that employee, if it makes sense. Um, another very typical situation. Wow. And how does all this translate uh, the high turnover, the lack of time? Uh, you mentioned OJT, but how's all this translate into the, the modern state of content? Uh, if they don't have a lot of time, what's content look like? Uh, is, it, is it on the go? Is it more mentoring and coaching? Is it informal, formal, off the shelf? Tell us what, what the mix it's, looks like nowadays, virtual? It's it's everything. It's everything. Um, it's, it's, there's a, it's a good amount of on-the-job training for sure. Um, and yeah, it's a, a lot of on-the-job training. Then there's a lot of informal training as well. Um, and then there's some training that's off the shelves, especially if it's food safety, alcohol serving, which is kind of mandated and it's you know, they're obligated. Um, and so it has to be even state certified, for example. And so they have to get the training from outside. Uh, the rest of the training is usually um, built in-house. Um, I would say that compared to more standard enterprise organizations, um, of the shelf content is less um, because it's kind of based on what compliance purposes and what compliance requirements um, there are. But then there's informal mm -hmm. training as well. Um, and um, yeah, they don't have that much in class training, I would say, at least for the employees, the hourly workers, they may have um, instructor-led training, I would say, if they have for other types of employees or stakeholders of um, the ecosystem franchises, development agents, for example, locally, that kind of um, people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You mentioned earlier that mobile was important because of the age group. How does mobile play into it? Is it mobile apps? Is it mobile responsive? Is it mobile while they're working uh, in between customers? Like, what, what's it look like? Yeah, um, it, for example, for us, even though our our application is responsive, but for us, it was always you know being native, because uh, on a mobile device, on a really heavy mobile device user expects a native app because the whole user experience is very different than a web application. And if you if you squeeze a web application that is responsive. Um, on a small handheld device screen, it's not looking very good. And I think that's not the purpose of being responsive. Responsiveness is something that the website can be responsive, but an application, it's, you know, being responsive. I, I wasn't a big fan of it, even though it depends how our customers want to use um, Scooks, for example, but it should be native um, so that it can really um, be very easy to use and as expected um, from the mobile user. Yeah, for sure. How important is it now in 2023 to prove that you know something versus just take a test and say that you know it? Is there, you mentioned OJT activities uh, earlier. Are, are they automated in the LMS? Is that becoming more prevalent where somebody has to actually perform the steps and have somebody yes. uh, to, yes. to see that? You're seeing a lot of that? Yes, yes. In in our industries, that's, that's kind of I don't know if it's a prevailed um, part of training, but it's definitely a much bigger part than in, in any other um, part of the market. Um, and especially because you can teach someone how to create a sandwich. And, and there's, there's some, some French organizations that have thousands of combinations of sandwiches, okay? And there's some other things as well, but in reality, you want to see the employee really creating that and and... and preparing that sandwich, for example. And there are other things as well. There, there are a ton of tasks that they have to kind of learn. 
and um, and so some more practical stuff. And so in all of those practical um, topics that they have to familiarize themselves, Ojin is just the most efficient way of um, acquiring the knowledge you need. What about from a uh, integration or a, a technical standpoint? What are uh, any considerations that you see for, I don't know, multi-single sign-on or, I don't know, multi, you know, if you have franchises and those franchises sometimes have other franchises, there's probably a lot of data feed uh, issues. <laughs> what, what, what do you see there? What's, what, <laughs> what's unique? It makes you chuckle. That's probably an understatement. Some issues. Yeah, it can sometimes be a monster. It can be a monster for challenge sometimes. So it's another unique pain point that those organizations have. It's just not from a feature perspective and how your product, what your product should support is from a technology um, perspective. Um, First of all, integrations is always, you know, a must. And um, as technology is evolving and more tools come out, from employees engagement tools and, and, and other interesting tools, of course, the ecosystem becomes larger and we have all to integrate with each other more intense than in the past. Um, but um, those franchise organizations, um, very often they don't have a single source of truth for the entire population. Um, some organizations have built um, um, a unified database where they have all the employees but because they don't own the franchise stores, for example, it's a different effort. So they may go through a challenge because they may do it through POI systems, which we know all that this can be a lot of challenges, a unique ID, and a lot of a lot of challenges that come with that um, with a type of organic um, integration, uh, kind of bringing together all the data set for all employees. And so sometimes we we integrate with that unified data set that the organization has created and maintains, of course, on a daily basis. Um, or we may integrate with another tool that they use that has done the work, like um, we have, let's say, integrations with scheduling um, software applications, which are used very often by those franchise organizations, a very important task of, a task of their everyday operational activities. And so we may integrate with that application as well. So it depends. Um, and sometimes it's a fairly fragmented um, situation where we may even have to build um, in separate integrations to for user provisioning with larger franchisees who may have their own own system because they may own 200 stores within a specific brand, and so they they build their own set of applications. Um, so it's, it's a it's a large variety, and single sign-on is insanely important as well because you can really expect employees that have a high turnover of even up to 200 percent um okay and they don't have corporate emails um and so you can really have even an easy password recovery than you may have in other situations um and so they may not even provide their their, the phone numbers for example for that purpose so everything is from that perspective much more complex um and they have other restrictions by the way as well um, and so sometimes they need to control um, the location at which the employees take the training. So they may want them to take the training only while they're at the store and, and not you know, outside of the store um, or outside of their working schedule, for example, for obvious reasons. Or they may want to allow them, but they need to know exactly how much of a training they took you know, within the working hours and how much of the training they took 
outside of the working hours because they may want to compensate them for that training. And so this is some of the complexities we have to deal with to provide you know, the right data to them and the right reports. Wow, wow, amazing. What about uh, uh, from a, uh, an AI perspective? You, you talked uh, real quickly about uh, you know, content authoring as perhaps being uh, one application. Uh, is, it's hard to swing a stick you know, in the learning systems industry in 2023 and, and not hit a topic of AI. So uh, is, there, yeah. is there other areas of your application where that's becoming important right now? Do you think it's, it's hype? Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that and the, the Skooks platform and franchises in general with, with with AI? What's your theory? I think, I mean, AI is out there for quite some time now, and um, it, it became a hype for, you know, a few years ago. I think now it has become more mature. Uh, definitely AI is more advanced, um, you know, in some other uh, businesses and some other parts of the technology and, and, and less in, in some others. I mean, from a product. Um, maturity perspective. Um, so in, in learning and development, um, we've been tracking for the last years to see exactly how AI is progressing and, and, and how mature it is. Um, we didn't really want to rush because that's a pretty serious kind of addition in the system. And it's one of the things that has to function flawless. You can put in an AI engine and put that pull the trigger and have it act in an autonomous way and not being sure how that machine is going to kind of function and what, right. what's going to produce. Um, it just, just as a simple example, our system was from day one, very social, insanely social. And so customers loved it, but everybody was gun shy. And we have customers that bought the system because it was very social but they started using it very lightly, the social aspect of the product five, six years later. Uh, I know one of the problems is social means that you have more people kind of being active in the system and even creating comments, posts, content, et cetera. And there's a problem, okay, how do we control what's going to be put into the wall and whatever? So can we control the posts before they go live? Um, so if, if, if you have concerns for that, imagine now with AI, which can be a complete black box sometimes, no matter how, how good it is, because AI can be as, as, as stupid as a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a brain of a little, little child, um, you know, or as, as, as smart as a, as, a, as, a, as a Nobel Prize winner. Um, so it depends on what data uh, you feed that AI engine and where it gets the data. It needs a lot of training, and and so we we've been tracking for for some time to see the progress of AI. We believe that AI has crossed the, a certain threshold of maturity. Um, we feel that it's now worth really start putting um, you know AI into our product. And yeah, the, the, I would say the different buckets or different parts of the product where AI can make a difference. For us and for myself, honestly, um, the most important one is being a connector between learning and development. I mean, AI can yeah, it can create content. We can talk about this as well. But I feel that learning and development has always been disconnected out there for some reason. Um, and so we train people 
but we don't really correlate that training to the development and the progress of a people being able to measure and track and see if we're even doing it right if we really help people developing their skills and progressing and improving and of course that's that's kind of a one connection then if if you really you know let's say you've experienced your employees making progress on their skills and on development through training then is it really does it really make a difference on the business outcome okay imagine everybody on paper you know completing training grade and as you said you know through exams and they get everything right and their skill strength seems high on all assessments but they don't really deliver or it doesn't make a difference in the business and so i think those Can't two connections <laughs> yeah those two connections are really really highly important i feel and the market is always looking for those but it wasn't easy um in, in reality and in order to connect those two worlds uh, uh, one foundation that's needed really is to connect skills with jobs and skills with content so that you know what skills are needed where are and where is everyone at the required skill strength for the job for all the skills and all skills are equally important for a job you know of course other things come in as well personality traits but let's just talk about skills um and so through that connection you know what skills you need to improve you know for every employee based on the job okay that's one thing but that's not enough because at the same time okay now you know what skills someone needs to improve you need the right content to help that employee at least a theoretical on paper to improve that and with ogt and practical it's just better but you need that theoretical part as well um and that connection was has traditionally been historically been always almost impossible um and so it's a very laboring and work to build all of those mappings and maintain those uh, and it's a fairly dynamic situation so it's it's not enough if you do it once you have to maintain this every month moving forward and the larger the organization the organization have ten thousand jobs it's impossible to do that in you know a library of twenty thousand courses now ai can build those connections and those mappings and once this is done then tailored and personalized training suggestion career planning you know exploring investigation if there's an impact on you know your business kpis this is where ai can make a big difference now content comes next but if you ask me about the top expectation is at least you know on our side of the things what we believe it's that connection wow, great answer uh, great answer fascinating and i wish we could have scheduled more time uh, but we only have a, a short a short window here and i've got about 15 more questions i wanted to ask you so real <laughs> quick rapid fire um what do you think are the what, what do you think is the most important metric or two or three that uh, your clients are measuring are they just worried about you know checking the box on compliance or are they are they actively tying it to that business performance that you were talking about like any key metrics it, it heavily depends uh it have, can you hear me john I hope the connection is still yes. good. Yes. Good. Okay. Um, yes. So I think it, it heavily depends on the organization. We have a wide spectrum of different um, uh, situations. We have organizations, and we, we come across organizations that are mostly check the box. That, that's that's all they care, and mitigate risk through compliance, and that's the top priority. Um, and, and then we have all the way up to organizations that have a bold vision 
on really connecting learning with development and really correlating data with performance, business performance. So depending on how everyone's, what everyone's vision is and, and how ambitious they are in the L&D field, they're using the system in a different way. Yeah, makes sense. All right, final question. What's your best advice for organizations that want to up their uh, franchise learning uh, plan? Any any uh, best practices that you want to share? I think I would just refer to the previous question. I think it's very, very important, even in the franchise world, even in the micro world of a, of a, of a store that may be part of a huge ecosystem of an organ franchise organization. I feel that they have, to really first define what success looks like and then tie those, those metrics that define success back to what is the typical profile of an employee, what are the skills that need to be trained and then tailor training um, you know, next to it so that it really serves that purpose. And there are many ways to do it. Um, you know, we came across at some point a, a customer and it was so interesting. Um, they had sort of the collective knowledge level in a way that was imagine in a store, you may have 20 employees. At some point, let's say that you have a curriculum that is the must. So everybody should at least have that minimum training that is essential, that's important to run the store. Um, and so if everyone has been fully well-trained and everything complete on the job, then you have a certain collective um, knowledge level. Okay. Now with that high turnover, imagine five people going. So the next day that knowledge drops by 25%. Okay. And that organization was measuring the impact of that drop in the business um, and all the metrics at the store. And they realized that a certain threshold where it has an impact on revenue and other things, customer service and so on. So for them, based on that, they wanted to make sure that, you know, they 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 lift that level up to 100% as quick as possible. And they knew exactly what the performance should look like so that the performance of the store would not suffer out of the low performance of those people. So, yeah, I would say connect learning with business outcome because that's why you train your people anyway. It's age advice and a great story. Uh, great story on... Uh, that's one I haven't heard of before. The collective knowledge is a way to to measure effectiveness, and that's how to learn. And we just love measuring effectiveness in in ways that uh, are proof point positive to uh, senior executives on the value of of training and education in an organization. And that's a really unique one. Well, anyway, we're well over time, uh, Left Terrace. Uh, this was a fascinating conversation. Uh, thanks for tuning in um, and uh, sharing your expertise. Uh, all kinds of things I hadn't considered. Uh, today, uh, even though I spent a lot of my time in this space, so it's it's exciting to see where you're pushing the, the solutions and what organizations are trying to do and how complex it is. I think at first blush, a lot of organizations think channel partner franchises is easy <laughs> stuff uh, because it's just like employees, but it's not. I think it's the the most difficult vertical uh, in the learning sector because there's it's it's like your most complex employee deployment. Time yes. ten because you have all you know all these variations of it, and so it's um, that makes it a hard, a very difficult vertical to compete in. And so, congratulations on, on yes, successor. thank you, thank you so much. Sean. All right. In reality, if you are able to successfully launch those type of organizations, in, in theory, you can launch, you know, and serve any industry.
Yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay, well, great. Great conversation. Look forward to getting an update next year on uh, your progress. Uh, Listeners, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Talented Learning Show. You can find more of our fiercely independent content at talentedlearning.com, and you can find uh, more information on scooks at scooox.com. All right, have a great day, everyone.